My name's Taylor. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm here with friends. I'm in the kitchen. I'm in Las Vegas right now. Uh, I live in Oakland. Um, I'm traveling with some sober friends. We're out here rock climbing in Las Vegas and uh, just, yeah, I don't know, having a good time. Um, they have a good first Friday thing out here we went to last night. And uh, I mean, I just say all that. I'm just out here just experiencing the world sober, um, going on nine years um, on December 1st. Uh, so it's coming up. I got a birthday coming up. I plan on staying sober until that birthday. Uh, I have a sponsor uh, who lives in my area. I meet with him once a week in person. Um, we do the steps. And uh, I have a couple sponsees um, that are kind of struggling with doing their steps. And I'm trying, trying to do my best to just show up and do my part. And, um, yeah, I'm taking people through the steps. And some of which have stayed sober. Others uh, that have not stayed sober. But I have managed to stay sober as a result of um Trusting God, cleaning house, and working with others um, is how it was put to me. Um, uh, you know, trusting my higher power, working the steps, what we call cleaning the house, and uh, working with others, taking someone else through the book, showing up at meetings, being of service in the rest of my life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, real quickly, I mean, I ended up in AA, so obviously I had a drinking problem. Um, I had a drug problem. Uh, is my buddy Andreas. He's here. Yep. There's uh, Jacob in the house. Um, yeah, I, I just used every day. You know, that was how I like to use every day upon awakening. And before I retired at night, uh, was my was my preference, um, and all there in between, and uh, yeah, I just got pretty unmanageable, you know. Um, I didn't really hit a low bottom. I wouldn't call myself a, a like a low bottom uh, drinker, drug user, but emotionally, I was pretty spent at the age of twenty. Um, I couldn't really imagine going on the way I was using and drinking for the rest of my life, you know, every day. And, um, and not just the using, but like just the behaviors that went along with it and the people that I hung out with, it just, I couldn't see it being sustainable. I remember having that feeling of like, man, I just can't really go on. This This sucks. And I appreciate you guys reading more about alcoholism. Uh, I've always related to that reading um, from day one. I used to read that at my home group, which was in Manteca. Manteca, California, back to basics group, um, a group of just old people, and I was like a 20-year-old person, and um, I could not relate to them, but I really related to that reading, because I, before I even came to AA, I was really trying to control my drinking and my drug use uh, in all the ways that they said in the reading, you know, um, and more. Um, and it just never worked out. And then I got an AA and I thought, okay, maybe these guys are right. And, and, um, so I tried to control it some more. I was like, maybe drinking is a problem. I'm really going to try to actually get a hold of this drinking thing, you know? And, uh, so I tried all these other ways and it uh, ultimately it didn't work out. And, um, I found the steps eventually found a sponsor, 
uh, was introduced to um, Young People AA, where I found my demographic, my people to hang out with, to have fun with, uh, you know, just to continue my life. You know, I, I thought that life really revolved around drugs and alcohol. Um, those were the people I hung with since day one. Um, those are the people I wanted to hang out with since day one. I just thought, this is me. Um, I drink and I use, and I'm not going to change. And then I was introduced to you guys, and I was shown that, like, wow, like, there's a lot more of, to life going on, and everyone doesn't smoke weed. Like, I thought everyone on the planet smoked weed, <laughs> or at least wanted to, you know, but they didn't have to connect or something. Um, at the very least, you know, you got to smoke weed, okay? You don't do hard drugs, you don't drink, but, but I was, wow, blew my mind, you know? Um, once I opened my eyes to the world, that like, wow, a lot of people don't use a drink. You know, a lot of cool people in the world um, that are just, you know, normal in that sense that they don't have to put something in their body uh, to feel cool or to be a part of or to relate to people or to take away the anxiety. Like they didn't need to medicate in that way. And, um, and now I'm one of those people. I don't use drugs and alcohol to uh, do anything for me anymore, which <laughs> just saying was kind of crazy, you know, because I use it for everything when I got here. Um, so now, I guess to him it up, uh, you know, what, what do I do now? Nine years sober. I went through a lot of phases. Actually, not nine years sober. I guess I'll still claim eight, um, but eight years sober. What do I do now? Uh, you know, that's so much different. And it's um, because I still have, you know, problems. I still have the same problems, a lot of them. Um, you know, relationships, uh, family, friends, romantic. Uh, I still have issues with my boss. I still have issues with my roommates. I still have um, fucking, you know, parking tickets and this and that. Like, how do I deal with all that? You know, how do I deal with that resentment, the fear of the future, uh, the anxiety that comes along with, you know, big decisions in my life, um, my insecurities, uh, like past trauma um, created in childhood. Like, how do I deal with this stuff? And uh, I fucking, I do the same thing now that I did when I, that was told to me when I got here. And it's, I got a sponsor, I go through the steps, I look at it on paper, um, I'm honest with myself and with another alcoholic, uh, what's really going on with me, and we evaluate it and see maybe where I can make a change in my behavior, because as my sponsor says, he's like, alcohol is only mentioned in the first step, uh, AA is about changing your behaviors, if you're not here to change your behaviors, like you're probably going to go drinking, you know? And that was my experience, quite frankly. And so I'm looking at my paper or my uh, behaviors in black and white on paper and seeing where I'm at fault, where I want to be better, where I'm ready to change. And, uh, and then I take some action in, in that regard. Uh, I utilize prayer and meditation to a God that I really don't understand, uh, but somehow is working in my life. And, um, and then I try to be served, you know, through AA and, and not just an AA really, uh, uh, 
KA has really taught me how to be of service just out in the world, you know? And, uh, yeah, I'm just really grateful for that. Uh, so, yeah, I just do those things, you know? And what that looks like if you're new, I mean, simply put, I mean, that sounds like a lot. Maybe it's like uh, when I got here, I relapsed as part of my story, too. I relapsed a lot, and I relapsed at three and a half years sober. And when I came back from that relapse, I went to a meeting every day for probably four months, maybe longer, but definitely four months. I got three service commitments right away. Um, so I was involved in AA. Um, I got a sponsor. I started working the steps with them once a week and I'd call them when I needed. And I, um, and I would pray and I would call other alcoholics if I wanted to use, you know, and that really got me through the beginning. And it's pretty much still what I do today if I'm struggling. And, uh, so if you're new, you know, just try to do those, you know, small things, you know, um, that's what I've seen work for other people. I did it work for me. And uh, more will be revealed, you know, if you stick around, keep it up, you know, hang in there, as we say. Uh, so, yeah, I think that might be it. Um, pretty much if you're new, you know, and you're feeling a little uncomfortable or whatever, like, you know, do the work. And even if you're not new, I like to say, which is my experience, um, feeling a little squirrely, having years of sobriety. The solution is the same. Uh, get get to work, you know. Get some relief. Because uh, uh, my last sponsor, um, they always would say, they were like, my God wants me to be happy, joyous, and free. And so, like, I'm going to do the work to, like, be that. You know, I'm going to do that. Um, and so, like, that's what I'm trying to do, just on a regular basis. I just want to be fucking happy, joyous, and free. And uh, so I'm going to do the work, you know. I'm going to do... I try to do as much work as I fuck. I try to do one tenth of the amount of work in this program that I, that I did to like get drunk and high, which was like so much. I used to do it so much. And then now like a little meditation and a little going to meetings seems so hard. It's like, God, I used to just get high all the time every day. So I try to just put one tenth of the effort into sobriety as I did into getting high and uh, I'm getting tremendous results. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for asking me to share. My name is Amy. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is January 21st, 2017. And I'm going to share what it was like before I got sober on that date. And then kind of what happened starting around the time that I began a program of recovery through AA and what it's like now. So I was, I drank for about 12 years. I got sober when I was 29. And since probably high school, my mom really went out of her way to kind of warn me and make sure that I knew my father's side had quite a bit of alcoholism throughout the generations and her grandfather was severely alcoholic and I kind of just brushed it off. It just seemed too far removed and just a worrying mom. And 
I kicked off when I was 13. My dad had left me at home alone and I invited friends over and I had one beer out of the fridge of his and found my brother's car keys and drove his car around the neighborhood and crashed it trying to go see some boys. So, you know, that was one beer, but just, I look back and that event was super dramatic and it kind of continued in that way, but the amount of alcohol obviously increased quite a bit and the frequency increased quite a bit. Um, I've been kind of, I've been really trying to make an effort going to more meetings lately. Um, I'm in the Denver Fellowship now. I was in the Oakland Fellowship, which really helped me stay sober um, around 2018, 2019. But I've been going to these meetings lately, which I'm so thankful some of them are starting to be in person again. And listening to people's stories reminds me of things about my drinking just that I'd forgotten. Things like stashing away fifths of Jameson under my bed and taking swigs of it whenever I needed it. Um, I would, I kind of became like a squirrel, like kind of squirreling away my nice stuff that I didn't want my roommates to touch or their friends to drink. Um, and I very much, you know, I have a twin brother and a big brother and a lot of my drinking, I remember trying to keep up with the boys, the men, um, a lot of my close coworkers when I was drinking heavily were men and I, you know, thought I was cool, like switching to whiskey and, you know, it's very like ego driven, wanting to appear a certain way, but also like took pride in that I could drink a lot and a lot of strong alcohol. Um, and it didn't really make sense to me. I felt like I was always more hungover than my coworkers. And I noticed, um, like my memory would kind of stop working. I would like go through security super hungover at the airport and just leave my suitcase. Just like walk away from it, go to the gate, no suit. Who were with me. And, you know, that kind of stuff is super embarrassing and would then feel super ashamed of myself. And inevitably, um, you know, I was experiencing really intense cravings. I like severely craved alcohol. And when I wasn't drinking, I was thinking about it. And when I was going to and with who and what I would have. And it reached a point where I was, I would say just like anxious, depressive, um, I kind of felt like I was living separate, like double lives, which comes up in the big book of AA, where I would kind of put on this facade and try and like scrub myself up, you know, physically and mentally to go put on a good show at work and was thinking about, you know, the dishonest or manipulative 
and just very like self-driven. I was very obsessed with what was going on with me, what was stressing me out and, you know, who could I find to listen to these issues I'm having. Um, So there's kind of that side. And then I couldn't, I felt like I was just kind of stunted and stopped. Like I had no spiritual practice or connection to the universe, the, the spirit of the universe is kind of how I think of it now. Um, and just felt kind of lost and alone and had a lot of self-pity. And I felt like my life should make me happy, that I should be happy on paper, but was just this like miserable little cloud of a person going around drinking to blackout that was you know I was very much a blackout drinker I drove drunk it's an absolute miracle that I didn't kill anyone drunk driving um I cried a lot I was the person who at whatever gathering was like off crying on a couch somewhere about you know it didn't really matter what was going on I just would reach that point um So I reached this kind of like spiritual, emotional bottom and started to put it together that maybe alcohol was contributing to feeling that way. But I mostly still, I I started to think maybe I was schizophrenic. I have a schizophrenic aunt who passed away and I just knew I was suffering, but couldn't really put the puzzle pieces together to know what to do about it. So I just was like very much just in my alcoholism. And I started reaching out for help through therapy. And it took a year of talking to someone once a week. And they eventually asked if they could show me this textbook they had in their office and flipped to a page about alcoholism and it had a list of like 30 different symptoms in sequential order and she said do you relate to any of these things and I related to and was experiencing almost two-thirds of them and she said well that makes sense because the last third is the final kind of last stage that ends in death and you know, this is the trajectory you're on. What do you want to do about it? And she asked me if I wanted to try to control my drinking. And I was, I like angrily said, no, like, how dare you even suggest that? Like, that's insane. Um, that's not possible. And I, cause I didn't want that to be the solution. So if I even agreed to try that, that would be admitting that maybe alcohol had to go if I was going to feel better and be able to like live my life. So it was about two years of, you know, sometimes I could go maybe three months out of self-will and trying to, you know, date someone who was also trying to not drink. And inevitably I would end up, 
getting into some kind of like sticky, stressful situation and getting really anxious and wanting to check out and numb out and alcohol is how I did that. And um, looking back, I'm glad, really glad that I had that period because it left no doubt in my mind that I couldn't do it by myself. Like I tried to do it by myself, meaning without a program of recovery and without AA. And sorry for Goose's grumpiness in the background. Um, so that therapist just like, thank God, ended up saying, have you ever considered outpatient treatment? I didn't know what that meant. And I always called it that. And then eventually realized like, oh, I went through rehab. So I, I went to this outpatient rehab program in DC and learned like what alcoholism was and, or is, and it started to reverse the order for me that I was feeling the way I was feeling because of all the alcohol in my body on a very consistent basis. And around that time, like right about before I started rehab, um, I remember being super hungover. It was like a DC snow day. So we didn't go to work and just got hammered. And then everyone wanted to drink mimosas in the morning. And I was so sick that I couldn't. And it freaked me out that I was the only one who couldn't drink. Um, so I was reading these books. I, I just was starting to crave other people's stories, like wanting to connect with other people who were experiencing this because everyone I was surrounded by drank like I drank, didn't think there was a problem and didn't seem to be having very severe consequences or like emotional turmoil like I was. And I found different kind of like alcoholic memoirs, like nonfiction books. And my therapist was like, yeah, or go to AA and like talk to people in real life who have gotten sober and are now living a sober life. And you guys can compare notes and you can make friends. So that desperation to that human connection and to talk with other alcoholics is what drew me to AA and kind of allowed me to give it a chance and check it out. Um, I was very opposed to it because both of my brothers had been court ordered to go for their, as part of the legal consequences of their drinking. And they talked down and very badly about AA that, you know, it was for people who were dumb and weak and couldn't do it on their own and had to, make up some God because they couldn't do it themselves. And I am so thankful that I was able to just try it for myself and see, you know, for me, what impact it could have. Um, you know, unfortunately at the beginning, I related out, I looked for the things that felt 
you know, different in other people's stories from mine or like, oh, well, they had those consequences and I didn't. So this isn't the place for me. But really the only reason I didn't have those consequences is because I somehow didn't get pulled over or I, you know, just by kind of luck and privilege didn't have the same consequences. Um, continued kind of the like controlled drinking, experimenting, like totally what was read at the beginning of the meeting of, you know, switching the types of alcohols and when to drink and not and all this. So again, luckily I was pointed back to AA by another therapist post rehab who said like, look, you're again on a trajectory toward drinking. Um, you have to like proactively do something to counter that and going to AA and working AA steps is what works for people. So at that point I was, you know, some people call it like a dry drunk or I was just dying inside because I was not drinking for months, but did not have a program of recovery and didn't have any sober friends, didn't have a fellowship. Um, and came in that way and luckily felt this internal motivation to go pick up a chip. And by doing that, you know, signaled to the women in the room that I was new and luckily, amazingly, was just surrounded by these loving, caring, friendly, generous, sober women after the meeting who just like enveloped me. Just it was like 100% what I needed and wanted. I was just dying to be like seen and accepted and to belong somewhere and not be judged. Um, and those early meetings, I remember like genuinely thinking that someone had like planted people in the meeting to raise their hand and say certain things to try and influence us. Like it just seemed, I was still just like skeptical and it kind of freaked me out. And there were, you know, like prayers written on the wall that had God in it. And, you know, I'm getting like flashbacks to Catholic school from when I was younger. And I, I had a hard time with just the word God, the fact that it was this spiritual program for a while. And luckily, so by by kind of going along with and spending time with the sober women who befriended me and kind of took me under their wing. Um, I remember saying to one of them after a meeting, like, oh, I need to get a big book. I need to get my own book. And she was like, you need to get a sponsor. Like, don't worry about a book. Just pick a sponsor. You should talk to Eleanor. She'll help you sort it out. So this woman, Eleanor, who at the time I think had like 17 years sober and was not that much older than me. And we went to coffee and I just like cried to her the whole time. 
and then asked her to be my sponsor. And, you know, she said yes and was really kind about it. And going to coffee with her and opening up to her and then taking her suggestions that she gave that day, all of that for me kind of like is my step one of like admitting I had lost the ability to choose to drink or not. My craving and impulsiveness with it was so strong. And that, you know, I'm sitting here crying in public to this woman I don't know, like that feels kind of unmanageable, you know? So she said, I think you should go try, you should go to four meetings a week and try it for a year and then see how you feel and what you think after a year. And I remember being like, whoa, a year? Uh, you know, she's like, maybe don't think about it so hard, but, and I was already kind of bopping around to maybe like two or three meetings a week just because I wanted to be around these people who were happy and had these very close relationships with each other that I wanted. So I was like, okay, I can add one more. I think I can handle four. And she said, and I want you to call me every day. And that was super intense. And yet I agreed to all of it. And it was really difficult for me at the beginning to tell someone else what was going on with me every day and to be accountable to them and like show up for that. Um, but by doing that and, you know, my first year looked like I just threw myself into the fellowship and meetings and step work. And that was just the best thing I ever could have done for myself. And we would meet up before a meeting, go to the meeting, drive other newcomers home afterward, go get late night food. And like, that's what carried me. I didn't have to do it alone. I had fun along the way. And like, yes, it was super stressful and hard, but they were going through it too. And still to this day, other folks in AA serve that purpose in my life and I try to be of service to them as well it's a very give and take like lovely relationship so eventually um I was able to come to understand kind of the concept and a definition of a higher power that worked for me that was different, very different from the kind of Jesus Christ, God, Catholic um, understanding that I grew up with and that um, really just didn't work for me. And that might be one of the biggest gifts that I've gotten from AA is being able to like cultivate this 
relationship with, reliance on, and just kind of foundation of spiritual connection and spiritual practice that does help bring a lot of peace and stability for me now. And it took me a while to be able to get to the point of like step three, um, turning my will and life over to the care of my higher power. It was sort of like, well, maybe for these areas of life that feel like they have more to do with drinking, but with work, like, no, that's, that's not related. Just kind of kept up these boundaries and made it difficult. Um, But I would say once I finally realized that, okay, I'm this integrated whole person now, there's not, you know, the drinking me and the work me or the social me and the professional family me. It's like, I'm, I can be just one person now. And the idea of practicing the principles of AA in all areas of my life, um, that takes a lot of effort to like check back in with and think about. And for me, that ends up looking like a lot of writing of, you know, if something starts to like bother me or kind of be like ruminating and taking up emotional energy, um, oftentimes once I use kind of the, the writing structure that my sponsor gave me to be able to like document those things and look at it, it turns out that there was something I was super fearful of or upset about or I had lied about and then was carrying that around like for me the step work now helps me just kind of make sense of what's going on and then have a plan of what to do about it to really like my goal now is to try and have as much peace and happiness as I can and I've learned over the last few years that I have the most peace and happiness when I'm spending a good amount of my time focusing on other people. What's going on with them? How can I help them? Um, You know, just to get a reprieve from what's going on in my head and that like self-absorption, the... um, very like ego-driven, self-obsessed way of looking at things and going through life. Um, And it's those changes. And I've just, I've moved a lot in sobriety. I, I moved to San Francisco at about a year sober for a job. And I got great advice from my sponsor and folks and program that like, Hey, as soon as you get there, go to a ton of meetings, say yes to any fellowship you hear about or get invited to and get a new sponsor there who you're working with in person um, and just get really grounded there as soon as you can. And I did that. And not only did it keep me sober, but then I made friends in a brand new city really quickly. 
which can be really tough in adulthood. Um, and then I moved over to Oakland and did it again. Went to a bunch of Oakland meetings, announced myself as new to the fellowship, went out for fellowship, even if I was tired and didn't feel like it. Um, and I just know now that having kind of that routine and structure is what I need to be happy and to be kind of free and be able to like enjoy life and connect with other people. Um, so I bounced back to DC during pandemic or right before pandemic started because I just really missed my DC fellowship and was feeling kind of just like emotionally unstable and like inklings of maybe do I see myself drinking again? And I'm, I'm really glad that I gave myself that kind of, I don't know. It just was what I needed. So I went back to DC and was there for about 10 months and really enjoyed being back in that fellowship. And I felt like the folks there kind of helped me tap back in more intensely and purposefully to prayer and again like what is my concept of a higher power how do I like recognize that acting in my life how do I honor that when I do recognize it um and now that's sort of it like manifests as um like these gut feelings and even just sort of like my inner knowing will just kind of communicate things to me. It, like things just become clear. And over the years, I have gotten better at hearing that sooner and recognizing it more quickly and like honoring it, like acting on it, acknowledging it rather than continuing to do what I'm doing that maybe is causing turmoil or stress or sadness of whatever kind. So I'm in Denver now and Zoom meetings got me through that next part of pandemic. And I, through all of this, have always made sure to have service. I just know myself that like I need to go to meetings to hear other people's stories and talk to and be around other alcoholics to stay sober. And if I have service, the likelihood of me going to meetings is a lot higher. So I've always had at least one service position and I was the treasurer for my DC home group for a year in pandemic living in Denver. And I'm now getting to the point of trying to act like a new person again. You know, I'm new to the Denver Fellowship and just doing that whole routine again to get plugged in and make sure that I have a home group and people who look out for me and ask why I'm not at a meeting and when are they going to see me um, and being able to talk to newcomers after meetings and just all of that good stuff. So I'm 
I've been kind of cycling through the steps with my sponsor and we're about halfway through right now. And I've really enjoyed that. It helps me learn new things and see situations in a just deeper and different way every time I do it. And it took me about a year the first time to make all of my amends. And it was super nerve-wracking going into it, but the amount of kind of relief and peace that I found by having those conversations or sending those emails or whatever that amends looked like, a lot of them were also self-amends, like to myself, um, totally changed me. And that was probably where I started to feel a spiritual awakening was the effects of those amends. Um, Yeah, so I think I'll leave it there. And I just want to say, too, that if my story didn't really resonate with you or you know, you don't really relate to what I'm saying. My experience has been that if I just keep going to meetings, which is what I'm doing now in Denver, I always eventually did hear something that I related to. And that felt kind of like home that I wanted to be around those people and that they understood me. So just encourage you to give it a chance and try different meetings to see kind of what can work for you. So yeah, thank you again, Josh, for inviting me to share tonight and everybody for being here. Um, I'm Amy, I'm an alcoholic.